Now, this morning's message is, um, it's been a tough one for me to navigate a little bit. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, and that's because we're talking about differences in, in, in family, differences in people, and how do we embrace this. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but it doesn't take me long to find people that are different than me. Uh, I can find people different than me even in my own family. With the holidays coming up, uh, we're bound to have family members coming in at some point. And just around our table, even in our immediate family, um, we have people that would have different political beliefs, uh, that would have different moral beliefs, that would have different spiritual beliefs, uh, that would look different, that would make different decisions, think differently than us. And how do we navigate this in life. This is a hard one because I, I, I just think, um, you know, 10, 20 years ago, we maybe didn't have to encounter people that were so drastically different than us, but this wonderful um, blessed curse called social media uh, and Facebook um, has kind of created a, a little different family table for us. And um, the crazy thing is, God knows what he's doing. I, I really wasn't putting putting two and two together when I was laying out our fall message series and what I was going to preach and when. Um, but God knew that this message was going to happen on election week. Uh, and so um, it doesn't take long for us to realize that there are differences. Even in the body of Christ, there are differences. And we step outside of the body of Christ and there are differences. And so I believe that God has given us just some clear instruction on how to handle this. Because even... Though we may be different in our own physical family or in the family of life, it doesn't negate that we're family. I can have different beliefs than my brother, my sister, cousins, aunts, uncles, but that doesn't change the fact that we're family. We in this room can have different beliefs, we can look differently, we can think differently, but it does not negate that if we've made the decision to follow Christ, that we're in God's family. So I think sometimes we, we really have a tough, tough go at this. It's hard for us. Even as I was prepping this message, I'm like, man, I, I, I really struggle with this sometimes. I struggle because um, I think it's human nature for us that when people don't look like us, think like us, act like us, our natural inclination is not to bring them closer, it's to push them further. Because when people are different than us, 
it makes us uncomfortable to have to interact with people who don't think like us, act like us, speak like us. But I don't believe that Jesus shows us an example of pushing people away. But I believe Jesus shows this example of gathering closer. And I believe that even this, through our differences, we can become stronger. Through our, our, our differences of appearance and thoughts and thinking, we can sharpen each other. Now, sharpening is not an easy process for go, to go through. I mean, it, it, even if you think about sharpening a blade, sharpening a knife... You're like, it's this awful sound. If you've ever like sharpened a knife, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Sometimes when we sharpen each other, it may be a painful noise for a moment, but it's producing something that is a greater impact, a greater influence. And so this morning's message is friend of blank. See, Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. And this morning, my, kind of the, the thought that I want us to explore is, what are you a friend of? When we look at our differences, can you say you're friends of Republicans? Can you say you're friends of Democrats? Can you say you're friends of sinners? Can you say you're friends of white, black, Hispanic, whatever racial descent that you may come from or those around you? Can you say you're friend of homosexuals? Regardless of their decisions, see, the gospel I read does not give us a conditional love, but an unconditional love. How will we embrace those who are different than us? Because through my lens right now, and this week specifically, I see the divide getting greater rather than closing this gap and us loving those who are difficult to love, who may look different than us, act different than us, think different than us. See, there's enough things dividing us in this world. And I just wrote a few questions. Are we known for the things we are against or the things we're for? Are we known for the people we disagree with or the people we embrace? Are we communicating the true message of Christ or our preference, preference for the way it should look? See, I just believe that when I look at scripture, and we're going to dive into scripture here. Jesus wasn't known as much for the things he was against, although he drew very clear lines. I, I, I'm not communicating this morning that, hey, we should blur all the lines and it should just be a happy-go-lucky. But I do believe that love transcends disagreements, transcends political platforms, transcends the sin that all of us struggle with that just may look differently in our households, in our own life. So this morning, we're going to kind of take this uh, just a moment, and we're going to dive into Mark chapter 2. And it's this great story of, 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 of Jesus hanging out with sinners, hanging out with people that are the polar opposite of the Son of God. Because Jesus, we believe, is the Son of God, part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. He is one and the same. So if he's God, he's perfect. So here is a great example of perfection hanging out with imperfection. So we're going to pick up in, in Mark chapter 2, and I just want to pray before we get into Scripture. Jesus, 
We thank you. We thank you that you love us even when we get it wrong. You love us even when we get it right. You love us regardless of our skin color, regardless of our uh, political platform, regardless of our lifestyle choices. You still love us. So God, I pray right now that these words would be your words, not my words. God, that you would open all of our hearts, our ears, our eyes, that we may see, we may begin to think, we may begin to speak, we may begin to act as you would intend for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 2, picking up in verse 13, says this, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, religious people, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples this question. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call the righteous. And when we look into this, he's not just speaking, I'm not just here for the Christians. He said, I'm not here for the self-righteous. Those who are consumed with self. And you think you're holier than everybody else. Jesus didn't. He said, I didn't come for you. I came for those who are sinners and recognize that in our disparity, we need a Savior. So we look at this, and just to give you a little bit of, uh, of context, is that in this passage, he's, he's crossing a path purposefully. Jesus didn't walk anywhere on accident. Jesus knew exactly what was going to take place. Why? Because he's God and he knows all things. He knows right where you're at today. He knows what you walked in here with. He knows what you'll walk out into. Jesus purposefully walks past Levi, who's actually, most Bible scholars believe that this is who we would know as Matthew. And, the, and, 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 and these times, many would have had uh, two names that they go by. And so when you look at Matthew 9, 9, it's the same account of the story. And so because of that, they, they believe that Levi was actually Matthew. But for the sake of scripture, we'll stick with Levi today. But just so you're aware, Jesus went to the worst part because tax collectors were not held high on pedestals. And he transformed Levi's life because he was willing to follow Jesus. Tax collectors were notorious in that day and hated by the Jewish people as traitors and abusers of their own family. They were a mafia-like organization in the first century that exploited other people. They served Rome, and, and, and the, the, who was the Gentile occupying power of Israel. They were dishonest IRS agents. <laughs> If that doesn't evoke some emotion in you, I probably could have just said, 
they were IRS agents. And if you work for the IRS, blessings <laughs> upon you. Recently, the IRS got some, some mix-up. This wasn't even in my notes, but I just feel like I need to tell you all this for a second. When I was at, at, at our previous church, I had set up the credit card payment system. Well, I didn't realize that when I set it up, somehow I put in my Social Security number years ago. And, um, and so all, all of the, the church expenses that came in on the credit card, uh, there was a... a Whatever was sent to the IRS, and they sent me a bill for $13,000 for like 2011. I'm like, wait a second. I got it fixed. It's good. IRS. I opened that bill, and I, 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 I think I, I just paused for a moment and said a prayer. I'm like, God, I know I pay my taxes and my tithe. Wherever this missing income is, if you'll send it to me, I'll pay those taxes. <laughs> but here, he was a dishonest IRS agent. They were overcharging people for their own profit. You can imagine, uh, Jewish writings set them beside thieves and murderers. So you can imagine, thieves, murderers, IRS agent. I mean, they're just equated as equals here. They were expelled and banned from the synagogues. They were an embarrassment and a disgrace to their families. The touch of a tax collector was rendered, it would render a house unclean. This means that a tax collector and a leper were viewed as the same level. Yet who did Jesus go and find? He didn't find the person that he wanted, the clone image of Jesus, perfection. I'm going to go find that person and they'll follow me and help change the world. Jesus went and found the polar opposite. Somebody that was viewed unclean, disgraceful, that his own family probably would have, would have banished him out. And this is where we find Jesus gathering. Now, I don't know about you, but when I take all that in context, before we even get into what we can see... I'm stepping on my own toes. Jesus has crushed all ten of my toes this week. Why? Because when we look at this image of what we want church and the body of Christ to look like, a lot of times we're just wanting to replicate who we are. But Jesus is showing this great example that he's not replicating who he is. He's going and finding the, the one who is so far and so lost and loving him where he is. Because love bridges the gap of difference. Man, we can get ourselves so worked up. Jesus embraced all the disciples, all their dysfunction, all their different upbringings and backgrounds. So how do we embrace those that are different than us? We've got a lot of differences even in this room. How do we embrace the differences of each other? How do we embrace the differences in the world? That we continue to see. Guys, it's, we're, we're, not, we're not seeing our country tip closer to Jesus right now. Just look in the news. Turn on any cable television program. Pick up a paper. Pick up a magazine. The world's not going to change and draw closer to Jesus by themselves. We naturally would not just all of a sudden, yeah, 
I think I'm going to do better today. That's not in us. Why? Because we were born into sin. We were born different. So how do we embrace these differences? Number one is this, and and I believe we we see this in, in verse 14, is that we have to see God's best in people. See God's best in people. See, Jesus did not call Levi because of where he was, but what he saw where Levi could be. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus did not call Levi for where he was. He's sitting at the tax collector's booth. He's sitting in a lifestyle of sin. He's sitting in the polar opposite of where Jesus is. But Jesus saw something in Levi. Purpose. Redemption. He saw where Levi could be. He saw that Levi could leave this life of sin and be a world changer. Sin, world changer. Different world changer. We have to begin to see God's best in people. We have to stop seeing people where they are. We're in a culture, in a, in a country of labels. If you're a Republican and somebody is tagged a Democrat, you don't even want to sit across the table from them. If somebody's white and somebody's black, there's a great racial divide in our country right now. And we don't even want to have the conversations because people are different. Somebody's walked in and stepped into a homosexual lifestyle. We don't want to even see God's best in them because their sin looks different than our sin. I'm victim of this. I'm not telling you anything. I'm not seeing in scripture and, and repenting this week. To say, God, I need need a change of my heart. May we not see people as we would see them, but as God sees them. And God sees the best in all of us. Why? Because he found us where we were and called us to where he wants us to be. Just so many times we miss out on this call. We mute the voice because it's difficult. It's uncomfortable. But God's calling us all somewhere. Every person you encounter, God's got a purpose and a plan for their life. Regardless of how bad their decisions may be, regardless of how repulsive they may make you with the the choices and the language that they speak and the thoughts that they think and the places that they go, God's still got a plan and a purpose for them. But if we negate to see God's best in people, we'll never be able to embrace the differences of others. See, Jesus sees this polar opposite. Colossians 1.16 For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. There are no conditions. So as hard as that is for us to process... Especially in a week where we see the political unrest in our country. Regardless of what side of the platform and where your belief system may fall in politics. God still created every single person who was elected and not elected this week. Everybody who's still sitting in power and not in power. He created in him and through him. God's best and people. 
still remember this past year, Cohen was playing soccer. And he's more concerned with the dirt and the butterflies than he was with getting the ball into the goal. But Coach Chris saw, and he just kept encouraging. I'm like discouraged. Coach, you don't have to play my son. He can just sit here by me. I mean, the first game, he like gets put on the field and runs crying to dad, you know, on the sideline. I'm like, no, you're not going to do this. Don't embarrass me, you know. I may not have been able to see the best in him in that moment. But how rewarding it was to see his coach get on his level and begin to speak life. Cohen, you can do this. And it may have taken all the other people being on the other side of the field and him giving the ball and saying, go, nobody's here, run, kick it into the goal. But whatever the case may be, he saw the best in him. God sees the best in us. So as Christ followers, as believers, when we make that decision, our responsibility is to see the best in others. Right where they are. No conditions. Number two is this. I believe that we need to begin to listen to where people are. Listen to where people are. When we see this picture of, of Jesus dining, he's dining with, with sinners and tax collectors. We don't know if Levi had like thrown this party to say, guys, I'm out. I need you to meet the, the, the man who's changing my life. We really don't understand what's going on right there. He may have not made the decision yet. He could have just said, well, Jesus, you know, if you want me to follow you, why don't you just come to my house? I have a bunch of friends that are going to be there anyways. We don't know. But what I do know is every time I sit down for a meal with somebody, I've got a responsibility to listen. It doesn't say Jesus sat down and began to preach his agenda. It says that he sat and he ate with them. I think sometimes we just get so passionate about our beliefs and where we are and who we are that we don't even want to listen. We just want to speak. We won't embrace those who are different than us if we do all the talking. Church, what would it look like if we just spent some time listening? I remember recently, I, I, I was in Birmingham, Alabama with one of my, my, my best friends in the whole world. He's an African-American. And we went to some of the spots that were, were, were so in, in, informative and, and, and transformational in the civil rights movement. And I remember sitting in the church and listening, just listening. I will never understand what it looks like and feels like to have a different skin color than what I have. But do you know what? When I sit down and I begin to listen, we can be a part of growing together. Church, we've got a great divide. And I believe that God can use the church to bridge that. Why? Because Jesus teaches us to listen. Yeah, we may have polar opposites of opinion, and we may look and say, well, I don't understand why they feel that way. Then sit and listen to them. You know, a lot of people that, are, that, that, that look different than us and act different than us, there was something in their life that, that affected the decision. I, I just think of even, even a homosexual lifestyle. We don't want to have a conversation because what would, that, what would that do? What would people think? 
What if we just begin to listen? Because when we listen, we, we begin to show love. Love conquers all. Not us. Not our agenda. Is it a sinful lifestyle? 100%. But so is your, your looking at pornography at night when you think nobody else is looking. So is your gossiping in the hallway when you think nobody else is listening. Lying, stealing, cheating, whatever your sin may be that you're living in, it's no different. Yet for so many of us, we just keep it in the closet so it's a lot cleaner and neater that way. What if we just began to listen? Because I believe Jesus leads by listening. Now, transformation's coming. It's going to take place. But when we begin to see the best in others, we begin to listen to where they are, it creates the space for them to encounter Jesus. I'm not saying that we should just look at the world and everything's just sunshine and rainbows. Everything's great. No, but I believe that we can begin to make an impact and a difference. And I'm sorry if I'm offending you this morning, but I, I just believe that if we can look at people and see God's best in them, we can begin to listen to where they are. It begins to create the space for Jesus to do what Jesus does best. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. But it doesn't end there. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. When we've encountered Jesus... There is a responsibility for the same comfort and compassion that we experienced for us to exhibit that to others. And it doesn't come with us talking all the time. Sometimes we just need to sit and listen. Last night, Brittany gets a phone call or text message from Elizabeth Aguilar. Her father, Matthew, two weeks ago today had a, a heart attack. And he passed away this morning. But last night, Elizabeth just needed somebody to come and sit and listen. So what did Brittany do at 8 o'clock last night? I'm putting the boys down to bed so she can go and just be there. There are people in your life right now that don't need you to, to lead them on the Romans road yet. They don't need you to bring condemnation to their lifestyle. They just need you to love them and listen because they've never experienced that before. What... Change could take place if we just learn to show the same compassion that we've experienced. Or that maybe you're here today and you're going to experience for the first time. What change could take place? See, I see more posts on social media creating a divide than leading people to Christ. We may think that it's just a promotion of our political agenda or our belief system and all we're doing is drawing a circle and building a wall around our own life you want to you, you check and see where your balance is how many times are you sharing from your devotion as many political shares and posts and 
And I'll be honest, when I see them, I just scroll by them. Because I have friends on both sides. Some articles I'll read because I want to listen. I want to understand why you think differently and believe differently than me. Why? Because a lot of times that makes me, I mean, I'm, a, I'm stubborn as a mule. So for me, I dig my heels in. But I don't have to be on, on, on attack whether I agree or disagree. I can still love. I can still listen. We don't have to all agree on everything. If we did, we'd all be the hand of the body or the foot of the body. But God calls us to be the body. We all have to function in our different parts. Are we more committed to our our political belief system than our faith? Romans 2, 4 says this. His kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. His kindness, the kindness of God, the gentleness of God leads people to repentance. It's not our aggressive. I I can promise you there's no article you can share that's going to flip somebody's political belief system. It's going to flip their lifestyle change. I've never met somebody that said, oh, I read a Facebook post and, and, and I just changed my life. But I have seen people who have encountered the kindness and the love of Christ through people. said, I want whatever they have. Why? Because in our sin, it just creates this space where we can recognize our great need for Jesus. And our mistakes and our brokenness and our hurting creates this space. James 1.19 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I feel like this should be in all of our bathrooms or our our window rearview mirror. You should should read this about 17,000 times every day. Why? Because there are a lot of things in this world that make us angry. So what do we do? We get angry. We're not slow to anger. We're quick to anger. And they were quick to talk about it. And we just totally forget about this listening process. How do we embrace people that are different than us? We see God's best in them. And we learn to listen where they are. I'm going to pop down to point three because I believe this. That we see, we, we see this transpiring in scripture in verse 17. But every encounter with others leads to an opportunity with Jesus. Every encounter with others leads to an opportunity with Jesus. See, here's what I love about this this story. Is it wasn't just Levi that encountered Jesus. and, 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 And Jesus embracing Levi where he was. Saw the best in him. Called him out. Has a meal with him. That meal led to. A meal with a bunch of other people that were different than Jesus. A bunch of other people that had different beliefs than Jesus. A different lifestyle than Jesus. But every encounter with people is an opportunity with Jesus. 1 John 1, 1 through 1-3 says this. That which from the beginning, which we've all heard, which we've seen with our eyes. 
which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If we've seen it, we know it to be true. That means all of our fellowship, all of our hanging out, all of our encounters with people create this space for them to encounter Jesus. And we miss this. I believe we miss it all the time. We need to create space for more encounters. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if it's difficult. Even if we really don't like the first moments. <laughs> I mean, we could sit down and talk politics. And, and, and some of you, I would probably agree a lot with what you believe. And I disagree with a lot of what you believe. I'm not looking to like find a political party that I just I tie my, my, my life to. I'm looking to a savior that I tie my life to. That'll change the way I think, the way I believe, the way I I live my life. It'll change the way other people see me, my ability to interact with them. See, Jesus saw the best in Levi. Levi, actually his, his name means gift of God. So think about this. The one who had been a thief received a gift from God in the calling and became a gift of God to the world. Matthew, one of the twelve. Who are we encountering on a daily basis that could be the next world changer? That could change the way people view Christianity can make a bigger impact than all of us. But it's an uncomfortable encounter because they're different than us. They look different. They think different. They speak different. So we keep about our business. Get into the story of the Good Samaritan. Polar opposites. All the religious people passed by. Yet the opposite said, hey, I don't care if we're different. I can still love you. For so many of us, we don't like reading about the Pharisees because a lot of times we see a picture of ourselves. You could make your own list of everything that makes you uncomfortable and makes you angry. And If Jesus was hanging out with those people and he was walking the earth, we would all begin to ask these questions. Why is he hanging out with those people? Why is he in that crowd? Why is he at that church? Reality is he probably even wouldn't wouldn't be in the church. He'd be in the streets. He'd be where people are. This is the comfort zone for many of us. What What would the world look like if we became uncomfortable? If we began to see God's best in other people, we began to listen before we spoke to other people. 
And then we looked at every opportunity, every encounter with other people is an opportunity for them to encounter Jesus. If our life is where it's supposed to be, if we can love like he's called us to love, if we can live like he's called us to live, but we miss it. See, Luke 5.28, it informs us that Levi left everything and he followed Jesus. Levi counted the cost, he took the risk, and he followed Jesus. This was a, a, a decisive act for him. It was a radical act for him. See, when you actually look at a lot of the other disciples, Peter could have gone back to fishing. He actually did. When Levi cut the strings... He couldn't go back. I believe there's some people that we're, maybe you're here today and you've just felt pushed out by the church. You've been pushed away by Christians. I just want to say I'm sorry. How many people have we pushed away? Because difference, it's a gap. God's calling us to love, to bridge that gap. And I believe the product of that is going to be some radical transformations. I believe we're going to have more modern day stories of Levi's. That people will leave where they are to go where God's calling them. All because Jesus is clear. And he wants to encounter people. We can't try and put our family in the box of Christianity. we got to put our family at the table with Jesus. And when I say family, it's those around us. It's the people that are different than us. It's the people that make us uncomfortable. Let's stop trying to put them into the box of the way we see. And just pull up a seat at the table with Jesus. Let Jesus do the hard work. We're at Waffle House the other night at 10 o'clock, probably, Wednesday night. A few of us just gathering together. Why? Because when we encounter each other, there's an opportunity for us to encounter Jesus. You know what? We can grow together. That's why small groups are so important. Why? Because there's a lot of us that need freedom in our life. We need to become better. We need to become stronger. There wasn't a Church agenda, the, nah, I'm, I'm eating a plate of pickles because I'm trying to watch what I'm eating. And these guys are eating hash browns and bacon and everything. And I'm just like. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I need this to bridge. That was, we were different places at that moment. But we can go somewhere. We can all grow in our faith. There are people around you that we're just not willing to, to make the inconvenience. We're, we're not willing to embrace. We're not willing to listen. But God wants us to. I want to see this be a place where people feel like they belong before they believe. We feel like people have to believe when they walk in the door. I want you to feel like you belong. 
Why? Because there are a lot of sinners and tax collectors sitting at that table with Jesus. You think they felt out of place? You feel like you think they felt like they were rejected by the religious figures they did, but not by the Son of God. And if we're to live how He's called us to live, this should be a place where people belong before they believe, belong before they know how to behave. Why? Because God's working stuff out in me every every single day, every single week. I'm still trying to figure out what it means to behave as a Christian. But I have to put Christ as the center of my life and allow him to do that. Allow him to change me. So this is my challenge. If you're a believer in the room, this is my challenge for you this week. I want you to, I want you to start this week by only seeing God's best in other people. I don't, and this is going to be hard for all of us in the room. I don't want you to say a negative thing about another soul this week. What would, what would your life look like? I heard some of the groans. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it to the car before I say something negative. <laughs> but take this week and just, maybe, maybe for you, let's take a baby step. Let's just get through today. <laughs> just realize I may give you too, many, too, too lofty of a goal here. Let's get through today just by seeing God's best in other people. And then if you can handle baby step one, let's take baby step two. Find somebody who's different than you. Take them to coffee. Take them to lunch. Spend some time with them and just hear their story. Listen to them. Because I promise if we're really listening, we'll encounter a lot of broken people, lost people, hurting people. Do you know how... how radically change like somebody could become if you just sat and listened to them? Because I believe step three, God's going to do what God does best. And when we encounter others, it's an opportunity for them to encounter Jesus. Because I promise you, people you work with, if you said, hey, I just want to take you to coffee, I want to hear your story. <laughs> what? Who are you? No, you're weird. Are you trying to sell me something? You know? Why? Because we've all put up this guard. And it may take a few asks, but I believe God will bring some change. I believe God will bless these encounters. So this morning, I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed in the room. And maybe you hear this message today and you think to yourself, I'm, I'm the different. I, I'm the polar opposite. I'm the sinner. I'm the tax collector. Well, here's the great news. Jesus has stopped by right where you are. And he wants to take you with him. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants you to sit at the table with him. And all you have to do, Levi, he just said, I, I'm going to get up from where I am. I'm going to go where the Son of God is calling me. So if you're in the room today and you'd say, Hey, Josh, I, I, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. I need him to become my Savior. Will you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking. See that hand there. Anybody else? I need to make a life change. 
Church, can we just do this together? Can we just repeat this prayer? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my mistakes. Help me to follow you. Help me to love others. Help me to see your best in others. Give me strength. Give me wisdom. Help me to fall more in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those who made a decision this morning? Amen.